Welcome back to Friends and Neighbors, the Wagner Brothers podcast in which we endeavor towards depth and simplicity despite an often shallow and complex world. I'm Benjamin Wagner, and today, part two of my essential conversation with my friend, rock journalist, Brian Ives. Last week, I released a new collection of remixed, remastered, and repackaged greatest hits, or favorite songs anyway, called Essential 2001-2021. It's available everywhere you download and stream music. And it's the topic of the second part of my two-part conversation with rock journalism legend, Brian Ives. Here, we touch on some set list staples and get real about the song's lasting legacy. But summer's gone away. We were talking about when you were a young guy. So summer's gone for me. I actually hear it differently now than I did when I first met you because like summer for me, I mean, just the imagery, like maybe I latch on to like overly simple images like jukeboxes and summer being gone, but like summer's gone didn't concern me as much when I was right. 32 as when I'm 52. Right. Does it feel different now when you sing it? Yes and no. Because each of the images in that song are actual real images, in a way. Yeah. Like, they're places I've actually been. The hill above our town is in Syracuse. So when I sing that, I see that. When I sing, um, made up all these plans of what we do with these bare hands, build a rocket to the moon, that's Chris and me. Like, I, we would mm. just end up talking about ideas, you know? And ultimately, that became Mr. Rogers and me. And I, I long thought there'd be more. I wonder some days, but we'll see. But either way, if there's nothing else, it's not a bad thing for a brother and a brother to do. So in some ways, it actually takes me back. The summer I'm referring to is that summer of leaving college, which was hard for me. I think, you know, I, I think the rock and roll dream really, I really caught it bad there because I played, you know, that was my college. I played most weekends. We played a rock show. And, you know, playing the rock show, you you get the front row of the party. You know, you're kind of, yeah. in some ways, it doesn't matter whose house it is. It matters what band is there. <laughs> and, you know, you'd play for 300 people and, I, and then the 300 people buy a cup of $2 beer and, you know, everybody was happy. So in a lot of ways, it was knowing that that kind of experience would never, ever be the same. I wouldn't have it any other way, which is, I think, how I feel about life. Like, you can't change it. If you just say, well, okay, he seems to be driven communicate and share and excavate and make sense of by virtue of music and he's done it consistently and then and he kept playing out of i mean i kept playing out of like a stubbornness i think in a way like i was like well i can't stop now you know <laughs> for a while i was like i gotta just keep going until it cracks but then at a certain point i was like oh it's not gonna crack meaning like it's not gonna work in the way that i thought when i was 15 like, right i'm not gonna be on the cover of rolling stone but then it began to reveal different value it does take on different meaning. Um, I do love playing that song because it does feel like a slightly wise beyond its years. And I think some of that's the criteria by which I figured out which ones, I mean, because they're obviously, I mean, what constitutes essential songs of mine, right? I feel like um, when I've seen you play it at your shows, like people know that song, Summer's Gone. So yeah, and that's- Dear Elizabeth, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that and Dear Elizabeth, as well as, you know, like whatever covers you might be doing at that particular era. Right. But like, 
that's data. Like you could look out there and yeah. see, I mean, Bruce uses that data, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Dear Elizabeth was is self-fulfilling because I always end with it because it became apparent that, well, first Chris Abad always was like, well, we got to close with that. But it has like a, such a range of both sound and emotion that like, it's such a journey, you know what I mean? Um, and it ends big, so you kind of have to finish with it. So it's sort of self-fulfilling. Those are some of the first songs that I felt like, oh, that's a song. Like, that's mm. a, you know what I mean? And I think yeah. in a lot of ways, I mean, I actually have records before 20, 2001. I started putting records out in 1993. And some of those bits are out there. But for me, the last 20 years is when it was actually like, like I felt like it could stand up. I'm not saying it was recorded as well or performed as well, but like you could at least be like, yeah, that's a song, you know? Remember the crash site Remember the sight of it crashing down I could not escape the wreckage Nothing safe and nothing's precious Nothing but our world crashing down I could not sustain the impact Crater deep and filled with quicksand I was thinking when I was listening, especially to um, Crash Light, the song, about Kurt Cobain and Nirvana were obviously humongously influential. It made such an impact. And the impact it had on young bands that maybe a few years later would have been like strumming guitars were now like all downstrokes, like the way yeah. Kurt Cobain would play. And instead of singing, like this sort of frenzied screaming became not only acceptable, but almost like you had to have it. And so I was thinking like Crash Light is one of your more Nirvana-y songs. I was yeah, wondering 100%. if they influenced you because I feel like screaming is not your default. Not not that you scream in it, but it's like a very raw vocal for you. Yeah. I'm pleased to report that I was a listener of the Pixies before Nirvana. Uh, oh! Fully as a result of my college band. We covered the Pixies and, and the guys opened me up to all kinds of things, including the spirit of DIY that you could just make shit yourself. You didn't need a record. Yeah. Album, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I think we ripped off the Pixies a lot in Smoky Jungle Frog. And I think, you know, it's a dynamic formula that's so appealing and viscerally like <laughs> rewarding. The truth is, it's funny, that song is much closer in my ear to Vander Ark's The Freshman, The Verve's The Freshman, than it is anything Nirvana ever did. But at the age you were at at that time, it would be impossible to be in a rock band and not be influenced by Nirvana. As you say, like, you were channeling stuff that was pretty disturbing as well. You know, and like, I wrote down the line, I cannot escape the wreckage, nothing safe and nothing precious, nothing but our world crashing down, yeah. leave my body where it was found. Like, that is pretty dark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty dark. California slips away Another sunset young waves Lost in time now, lost in space Promise I won't forget you 
But I feel like your song California is your best arranged and recorded song. Uh-huh. Um, the guitar riff, it's very hooky. Like you concentrate on it. And the the sort of secret sauce of that song to me is the backing vocals behind the chorus. Um, oh, right. Yeah, and, totally. And like, those are all like good decisions to make. You could have easily have recorded the song maybe without a riff, definitely without those backing vocals. But like, those are the things that, I don't know, like Brian Wilson would do on a record that makes it what it is, you know? I love that you noticed that. It's, um, I was working with Kevin Anthony at the time. God bless him, man. I did two records with him and he, it was just like a, you know, like small pocket studio in the Madison Square Park. But Kevin was like, you got to trust me on this one. I'm going to do something that you're going to think is a little weird. I have a friend who I think should sing backup. She's, you know, she, and I was like, what? Like, cause I'd never used backing vocals other than my own. Um, and he was right. In fact, I only wish we'd done more of her. You know I mean? I wish we'd multi-tracked her more. Sounds great though. She's got a way of seeing Everything worth believing She keeps wide awake while she's dreaming And that's how I get by I get lucky all the time She's got a way of finding. When I was listening to Lucky all the time, it reminded me a little bit of Fort Hood in that you don't quite borrow the lyrics, but it obviously echoes Billy Joel's She's Got Away a little bit. Yeah, it's so funny. Like I played it live a couple of weeks ago and I sang that line and I heard this woman turn to a guy and go, She goes, Shh, I love this song. And in, uh, my, head, <laughs> and in my head, I wanted to be like, Oh, you think it's, it's not the song you think it is, right? Right. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. I, and I think when I wrote it, it was actually a different lyric. It was, here she comes. She's all messed up. She's a something, something. You know, it was like, and Abby was like, I don't like that one. And she never said that about anything. She didn't say wow. any song ever. And she's like, that one's, it was like, here she comes. She's all messed up. Think she's had enough. And she's just like, ugh. So I was like, all right, I'll change it. <laughs> and that's what it, and so, she, you know, she's got a way is what popped in. And I, I heard it too, but I was like, ah, what the fuck? Because <laughs> it turns left as soon as that happens. It doesn't really. Right. Yeah. Out. I mean, it does feel it's like, like you're about to say she's got a way about her or whatever, you know. Don't know parts. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the, like you, you're right. Fit. It does go left. So it, it no longer after the word way, it no longer sounds like that song. But it clearly feels like you're, you know, like I said, referencing that. And I guess you were. Well, I was at least aware of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Same with like Dear Elizabeth. It was like, I didn't mean to do Dear Elizabeth. Like I was years after the Good Night Elizabeth came out. But like, I don't know, man. Like in a lot of cases, I could tell you where something was like little bits that that either inspired from whole cloth or like you borrow from them as a nod. I do feel extraordinarily um, lucky. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I mean, you know, you do sell yourself short. I mean... Yes, you're not, you know, you're not signed to like a major record label putting millions of dollars behind you. But I mean, obviously you prove it like you don't have to be doing it, but you do it because you need to work this stuff out of your system and you love creating things. And for the people, how whatever the number is, who enjoy it and get something out of it, and it's worth it, I think. Saying don't worry about a thing. 
Let me ask you about one last song. Sure. Covering Bob Marley is a ballsy move no matter what. Obviously, you weren't growing out dreadlocks to sing a Bob Marley song. No, I did not try and do that like authentic reggae sound. Right. But I mean, it honors the song more if you just do it in your way. And so I feel like a Marley somewhere would hear that and be like, all right, you did good. Like, I like oh, that. I like that I, take on it. I hope so. I mean, I don't know what gave me the temerity to do this and I can't believe that I did it. <laughs> but at the same time, I did do it and no one really heard it. So here you go. You know, um, I recorded it for Elsie. You remember I made records for each girl? And, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And this record was that single, that song was on Elsie's record, but Elsie's record didn't get quite the same light of day that Maggie's did. Maggie's came out and I did a big release and I did a video and all my friends were there and Elsie's like, you know, I was busier and it was harder. And so I always felt like Elsie's got short shrift. So that, that's part of the reason, but also no one really heard it. And I just thought, I don't know, at least it's interesting. It's all pretty understated. But the fact that there's a digital kind of beat in there is surprising if you're a Marley guy. I don't know, like, I still can't believe it, but we did it. It was also like, it just feels like a good mantra for a family and a good mantra yeah. thing to your kid. Like, don't worry. And what a song, you know, what a song. This is such a magical thing. Like, I'll be working upstairs because I have a studio up here now and I crank it and the kids can hear it and I'll hear them singing my stuff. They're not doing it to impress me. They're just doing it because it burrowed into their ear, you know? It's a uh, song that's been in their life. Yeah, and it's a really, it's a really, uh, back to like, well, what's the point? What's the raison d'etre and why do we, why do I do this? In some ways, I'm like, Maggie is a singer now, you know? And like, well, I don't know, maybe that's it. You know, who knows what'll happen to her, but maybe it'll help her the way it's helped me or maybe something else. I can only imagine what it would be like to have your dad say, I made a record for you. Yeah. I mean... That could be the entire end game of like why you would have learned guitar as a kid so that you could figure out how to write songs, figure out how to sing, figure out how to make a record for your daughter. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. And then, then there's another part of me that thinks, can you not have a phase in your life where you need to market with a release? You know, like, like I'm working on this book while I finish up this record and in my mind's eye, there's a documentary connected to the whole thing. And then part of me is like, well, couldn't you just like, live and grow without documenting and broadcasting it but that's what i mean that's what you like to do so you know it's it's an inherent part of your personality it is and there are weirder ways to do it i mean the truth is it's all the things it's self-soothing it's escape it's making the present real you know i mean it's all the it's all the things and it's still mysterious at 50 friends and neighbors is a wagner brothers production Download the podcast on Apple, stream it on Spotify, watch it on Facebook or YouTube, and subscribe to our newsletter at friendsandneighborshow.com. And if you're moved or inspired by what you're hearing here, please share it with your friends and neighbors. Until next week, it's a good feeling to know we're lifelong friends. Friends.